Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast Season 2, hosted by Ben Wyatt. Your destination for food trends, business talk, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Before we start, a huge thank you goes to Worth Foods, who are our podcast sponsor. Worth Foods believe that enjoying a snack is an opportunity to pause for a moment, even when you're on the go. So next time you're listening to a retail-ready podcast, grab a Worth Foods bar and enjoy a delicious pause moment in your day. Visit worthfoods.com.au for more information. Now let's get on with today's retail-ready podcast episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast and we have another fantastic guest on the show today. Welcome to the show, Scott. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, Ben. Thanks for having me. Awesome and I appreciate it. You're a bit under the weather, but as true entrepreneurs are, you battle through because uh, you can't cry because no one gives a shit, to be honest. Isn't that true? (laughs) Very true indeed. So thank you for the show. I have followed your journey for a few years. We're actually going to meet face-to-face for the first time next week, and I'm very much looking forward to yeah saying hello in person. Um, I believe you're emceeing the show, is that correct? I am, I am. I'm, I'm guessing they couldn't find anyone else, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's, always, uh, it's always good to do these shows where um, – you know, there's a mix of retailers and, and brands. Um, yeah. You know, that's what the uh, FMCG industry is all about in Australia. It is, and it's in something different. I'm I'm excited to go and see see what the show's about. So for everyone who's listening, yeah, it's the Foodpreneurs Festival uh, that Chelsea Ford is setting up in Sydney. Um, Scott's there, I'm there. A few retailers and uh, startup brands are there to present and just get together. So... We're not there to talk about that. We're here to talk about you, Scott. In in a nutshell, are you able just to give a little introduction of who you are, what fantastic business uh, you run, and then I'm just going to start piling in with the questions. Yeah, sure. Um, Sydney, Sydney born and bred. Um, I own uh, Natural Raw Sea Coconut. Uh, which is one of the leading coconut brands in Australia. Um, this is actually our tenth year. Um, so incredible it's uh yeah it's interesting to look back on the 10 years and we can talk about that a bit later but um yeah had the brand for 10 years and last couple of years I've started investing in a few other brands so I'm a part owner of an alcohol brand called Mandatory Spirits um and I've invested in a couple of other brands but more sort of silently fantastic Um, fantastic well let's go back to the start because I'm I'm always intrigued. So you said ten years, but I'm sure before that, where did the idea come to set up Raw Sea? What was the journey to get Raw Sea launched, and why coconuts? Yeah, good question. Um, well, in my past life, I was uh, living in China. Um, I had a clothing manufacturing business. Okay. Um, was. Uh, importing or exporting from China in, into Australia, uh, promotional clothing, and also uh, my brother and I took R.M. Williams offshore. Um, okay. And while I was up there, I drank a lot of coconuts being in Asia. Um, I, what, I was lucky enough once a year to go across to a big uh, clothing trade show called Magic in Las Vegas in the U.S., um, and that's where I stumbled upon probably the first 
real big major commercial brand called Vita Coco. Okay. Um, and managed to try some at the time. They, I think they added sugar, so it wasn't a great tasting drink. Um, thought, you know, that's, that's an interesting idea. Um, ended up leaving China, coming back to Australia, thinking, what am I going to do next? Had really no idea. Um, saw that there were a couple of brands in Australia and thought, I'll, uh, I'll start a brand, bring in a couple of containers, make a bit of dough and work out what I want to do next. <laughs> and that was 10 years ago. <laughs> that is, and like I followed the coconut trend and it exploded, what, five, six, yeah, six, seven years ago. So yeah. you were probably just there before everyone was throwing coconut in the coffees, smearing it on their faces and cooking with it. Mm. So what was the early days like to try and sell coconut into the retailers? Look, you know, like you said, probably five, six years ago, there were, I think we counted at one stage, 72 brands in Australia. (laughs) Um, Pretty crowded, pretty crowded. Um, But I think our journey started, we were one of the first to bring bring in the one litre. Um, and that really helped explode the market um, because originally, you know, if you if you looked back 10, 20 years, there was coconut being brought in, but it was mm. it was usually being sold just in Asian grocers yeah. um, in cans. Um, so I think the one the one liter um, really opened it up because you know sort of fifty five sixty percent of one liters are now used for um smoothies protein shakes etc so i think that was one of the catalysts um for really growing the category i think the other thing was that it was at a time where people were starting to understand more about labels and wanting to you know eat and drink healthier um and you know coconut water is 100 percent natural um and so you know it was a, a really good opportunity um, for the category to grow. Yeah. Um, it was interesting because, you know, people sort of look back and say, wow, there were 72 brands in the market. You know, what's happened to the category? Yeah. The category's continued to grow year on year. Um, you know, in the last year in the majors, the category was up sort of 25%. Interesting. So what's happened is, you know, those 72 brands have gone down to probably you know, 20 brands, um, but the categories continue to grow because of usage. Yeah, okay. So I've got, I've got two questions from that then. So one is, I'm guessing, so usage just in new customers coming to the category, is that where the growth or is it people are just realizing, damn, this stuff is good and using more of it? And the second question is, those 72 brands that you mentioned, why – why did you get to stay? Uh, what do you think allowed you to go, I'm staying on this shelf, you're not taking my position? Um, and tell us about that journey and, like, yeah, how, how you managed to ride the wave. Well, the, fir- the first question, look, usage has definitely gone up um, from people that, that use it. Their usage has gone up, but the categories also had new users come into yeah. it. But, um, just you know, as, as a sideline, coconut water only has 9%, 9 to 10% penetration 
of households. So, you know, nearly one in 10 households have coconut water as a, um, as a consistent buy. So there's still massive opportunity um, to drive people into the coconut water, coconut oil category. Yep. Um, in terms of why did we survive? Um, yeah, good question. I think, <laughs> um, look, I've, I've always wanted to do something a little bit different. So when we were designing the packaging, I didn't want to have, you know, coconuts and mm. um, palm trees and suns on the front. Um, and I think one of the one of the benefits, my background wasn't in food and bev. Okay. Um, so when I said I wanted some, you know, black on our packaging, um, I was told, well, you just don't, you just don't do that in health. <laughs> um, and that sort of spurred me on to, to want to do it. Um, so I think our brand, we've got really good brand equity, even, mm. even, even people I meet that, um, don't drink coconut water. Um, when I say raw sea, people quite often say, oh, it's that aqua and black packaging. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I, I always know when yours is on off location and stuff like that. Yeah. It slaps you in the face, doesn't it? And, uh, and I think also we've, we've never, we've never compromised on our taste. Um, even so far to say that when one of the major retailers here in Australia was, was doing, um, their private label, mm. um, and they, they grabbed 30 brands from around Australia and around the world actually used our product as the gold standard. Interesting. And, and why do you think your quality is so good? Like, are you allowed to explain more of the supply chain and um, what just makes yours slightly different or a lot well, different? I, I can tell you what we do. I can't tell you what our competitors yeah. do. <laughs> so we only use young young green coconuts. Um, so they're a little bit more expensive, um, but the consistency's there. Right. I also think um, our product's out of Vietnam. We originally were um, harvesting and bottling in Thailand. Okay. Um, but I think the quality of the coconuts are better out of Vietnam. Um, they've got a little bit of a sweeter taste. Um, we don't use concentrate. We don't add any sugar. We don't water it down. Um, so I've always wanted to have a, you know, a really good quality product um, and never compromise on the, ing- on the ingredient. Fantastic. And so when when was the the moment where you realized, oh hello, this is this is this is going to be a success like people are buying into this coconut water. When did you when did you find that moment? Oh god, I I don't really think I've ever had that moment. Mm. You know, I've had I've had businesses before that mm. have failed. Um so you know, I, I don't really sit here and pat myself on the back mm. and think, yeah, I've made it. Um, I've always been shit scared of, yeah, yeah. You know, things evaporating one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of, you know, in terms of like the market, we know what market share we have in Australia. So, and we know that, you know, in the last year or the last two years, we've been driving driving the category both in the supers and the independents. Mm. So we know we have a product that, consumers like um so for me it's just you know continuing doing doing what we we do um but yeah i don't think there was really one moment obviously when you get into the majors and you know you don't get kicked out after 12 months yeah it's a nice feeling (laughs) that's always a good sign but um you know i've I've always 
I've always tried to continue to drive the business, um, get really good people around me um, and, you know, sort of make myself obsolete. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the last 10 years is, you know, it doesn't matter what business you have if you don't have good people around you, um, people that you can trust, people that you can hire and get out of their way, uh, then you're not going to have a successful business. So um, that's always, you know... The thing, the thing about my business and investing in other businesses, it's all about the people. The product really doesn't matter at the end of the day um, because if you've got a really good product with bad people, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't believe you're, you're very often going to have a successful business. That's a, that's a great insight and always great. And this, and this is why I do this podcast to, so that people can learn one about business, one about the food world, and just take little knowledge bombs like that. So that that's fantastic. And I want to ask, you you go to a lot of trade shows. You, you're at Expo West uh, recently. I didn't see much this year. Normally every year you get every Tom, Dick, and Harry giving their two cents of what the next trends are, and you get a lot of people sharing this is going to be trending next I didn't find a lot of that this year unless I was not looking at it because I was jealous because I wasn't there. But mm-hmm. what was your view of Expo West and kind of where's the coconut market over there? And did you get any insights uh, from that as well? Yeah, look, I've been lucky enough to be going to Expo West for mm, probably eight eight years now, obviously a break with, with COVID. Mm. Um I've just come back from Singapore. Um, I've been to the big organic trade show in Germany a couple of times. Um, you're right. There wasn't a heap of innovation at Expo West, and I was lucky enough to spend a month in um, Los Angeles and San Diego, so managed to spend you know probably a, a week of my time in mm. all the different stores. Nice. I think that I think that's a, a hangover from COVID mm. uh, one. Um, you know, during COVID, the retailers definitely didn't look at any new brands because of supply. Um, and I think that probably pushed, uh, you know, research and development back a few years. Yeah. yeah and, now I, and now I think it's, you know, inflation. Um, you know, it's very, very expensive with food and Bev, especially mm. natural food and Bev. Um, the whole supply chain from, you know, manufacturing, freight, wages, people. Yeah. It's all gone up. So I think people and business owners, I know we have been um, a bit gun-shy gun about, you know, bringing too much new to the market. I think the retailers are really dictating that they they don't want much change and much difference mm. while there is still supply issues and in, inflation. Um, you know, it's sort of the, the better, better the devil you know than you don't. Um, so I think... You know, I think in the US, you're right, there wasn't that much um, new, uh, which was a surprise. But, you know, based on the things I just said, it, it's, it's yeah. not a surprise on the, on the flip side. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, it, it feels like it's a global issue. Like, yeah, the, um, and I'm feeling exactly the same whether it comes to buyers and just seeing range reviews. It's more of there's a tidy up going on. Uh, it's like kind of let's clean the back of house and – things will come around hopefully in two years time where it's like oh we're missing this gap or we're missing this trend and and things move because 
usually every year you can you can say what's trending like two years ago probiotics um year before that collagen etc and and like you six years ago coconut was everywhere coconut was uh literally yeah spread on everything mm-hmm. so yeah, I was, I was kind of, I was, I'm, that's one, one of the main questions I wanted to ask you today because I saw that great picture that you posted on LinkedIn of the, the fridge space with all the cans. And it, it <laughs> I just love it. Like it, it's a great place to shop. And, and whenever someone says, oh, that category saturated, your, your picture just proved it. And it's how do you stand out on shelf? Um, but yeah, I just wasn't noticing many, people coming back going oh yeah mushrooms is the next big thing and um hemp like etc so that that's really fascinating what what i'm keen to know is you released your coconut water when did you then realize go right how do i expand because i know you're you're playing in the pantry aisle um you you've got your the mct coconut oil as well when was it just a were you being asked for the innovation or did you see that as we need to grow into different categories one to survive and two just to grow as a brand yeah look we've probably looked at every coconut product on Mm. the market um but i've always been conservative in the sense that you know people that are in this business know it's expensive to bring products to market um Mm. whether it's a research and development getting a product to market and then getting it into, you know, either independence or um, supers. It can be very, very expensive once you pay co-op and yep. marketing and everything else. So, you know, I've always I've always thought, well, if we're going to bring out a product, it's it's got to be doing some, some major turns. Mm. And I think that's where we've been quite conservative and just continue to do what we do well rather than, um, bring out products that are only going to do one, two, three units per store per week. Um, it's very, very hard to 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 build a category um, here in Australia because of the the two major supermarkets. Um, but you know, we got into coconut oil well, probably would have been four years ago, um, and you know we're the biggest brand in in both the majors. Um, and it's continuing to grow, but we've looked at we've looked at everything else. But a lot of the coconut products are, are real commodities, um, mm. and when you you look at commodity products, it just ends up being a race to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really fascinating. I, I like that because one, I had uh, I had over four years, fantastic uh, years at Coles, and there's a few products that always pop out with me. Yeah. Coconut is one of them. And you mentioned that like it, people, people seem to add it in the basket um, pretty often. Mm. Maple syrup used to fascinate the hell out of me because <laughs> that, that used to do, and they're talking units per store per week. And they used to do around 20 to 30 units per store per week. Oats was another one, mm. but there was one product that I just used to go, if I was to, bring something back in and it was a sesame snap that used to do it was just it's so simple honey or sugar and sesame seeds yeah and it used to do 30s 35s 40s on a good week units per store per week and it's 100% true what you just said there yeah you don't you just need one product to just fly instead of 
going, oh, I need four SKUs and yeah, we've got one unit here, one and a half, twos, and oh, can we change this one in after six months, etc. They're very hard to come by. So I give you enormous credit <laughs> for going, yeah, this is this is our direction. It's, it's a yeah, it's a different strategy to be honest. From all the guests that we've had on over the last three four years, yeah, I've never heard that one. It's more the building a brand to grow, not seeing a market going. Yeah, what where is that volume so that yeah we can play in that market and make a bloody good go of it. Yeah, look, it's it's you know it would be easy for us to bring out twenty new SKUs. Mm. We could turn them on tomorrow. Um, but again, you know, I've built this business, um, and we've continued to grow every single year. Um, you know, this financial year will probably grow another 25%. Um, and we just want to be the best at, at, at the, at, at what we do, the products that we, that we bring out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think one of the, one of the challenges for businesses are that they're, they're so they're so desperate to to get revenue that they forget that you know the object of running a business is to make a profit at the end yeah. of the day. Mm. Um, and I, I I see because you know I get three to four business decks thrown at me every week um, from investor point of view mm. and that sort of thing. And a lot of people are just chasing revenue for the sake of ch- chasing revenue. Um, and you know, at the, at the end of the day, if it doesn't add to the profitability, then I don't think a business should be doing it. Um, you know, food and beverage is very, very tough. Yep. It's probably one of the toughest industries to be in. And we're, we're not tech stocks. Um, you know, you don't just add users and that adds value and your costs come down. Um, there's costs associated with every single thing that you do in this in this business. And you know, it, it's easy for people to say, oh, well, I turn over $50 million. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I say to people, do you want a business that, that turns over $50 million where you're making $100,000? Mm-hmm. Or do you want a, a business that turns over $10 million where you're making $2 million? And a lot of people, a lot of people will say, well, that's a bit of a silly question. But yet I... I meet a lot of people that all they want to do is chase revenue and talk about you know, how many bottles of so-and-so they've sold. Interesting. And I I feel I'm 100% in agreement with you. And and I feel the last six months is catching a lot of those businesses out uh, because of the shift in the market. And yeah, it's it's a scary place to just be chasing revenue because it catches up with you, um, as we're seeing with business after business uh, recently. So, and and that is fantastic. These, These are the, like I said before, the the business nuggets that a lot of people don't hear about. Like everyone on LinkedIn is a multimillionaire and is yeah. is doing fantastic. So, and this is why I wanted to do this podcast to to get to the real the people who are doing the business and making the decisions because it is tough out there and there's a cost to play, which is also uh, people forget about as well. Like even just setting up a brand. Is, yeah. is costly and when you pay the likes of gs1 and you you before you know it you you're on an edi system that's a couple of grand it you're losing money before your even first pallet has gone out the door so 
You, you do, and I, I think I was I was lucky in the sense that when I first started the business, it was when Instagram and Facebook were just starting, and there really wasn't there really wasn't an influencer yeah. sort of base. Interesting. Uh, you know, now it's completely different. Mm. You know, people that we used to send coconut water to, and they would do posts that would have you know five six hundred thousand followers. They're now charging five ten grand a post now. If you're a startup and you've just got your product into into a retailer, um, you know you're going to have to pay co-op, and they're going to want you to invest with them. So you know what's left. So it's very very tough. Hundred percent. I don't think it's been any tougher right now to start a start a uh, a brand in food and bev, um, and unless you've got deep pockets, um, and that doesn't guarantee it either. Correct. It doesn't at all. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great insight. So you're a businessman at the end of the day. What, over your journey, so even beyond Raw C, what's your biggest lesson, do you think, that you've learned? You touched on employees working with good people. Mm-hmm. Is that, what would you say your top three are? One being, yeah, working with great people. Um, look, People's definitely the the number one by far. Mm-hmm. I would always say to people, um, you know, hire the best that you can afford um, because um, if you can get the best people and look after them, they'll look after your business. Yeah. Um, they'll treat it like their own. So that's always the biggest thing for me. And, look, you know, in the early days I made some mistakes with relationships and uh, I certainly hurt uh, – I certainly learnt the hard way. Mm. Um, I, I I was told this great saying by Julie Bishop, um, the politician, and uh, she said to me, Scott, just remember things in life and business, when things are really, really good, they're not that good, and when things are really, really bad, they're not that bad either. And at the time I thought that was quite funny, but mm. it's true. And I, I think about in the early days where, as an example, I brought in some coconut water and it was all off. Oh. And uh, I remember, I remember going home and saying to myself, "Well, you know, that was fun. That's the end of the business." <laughs> um, but it, it wasn't that bad. And it's the same when you have the wins. It's like when you when you get a major account. It's yeah. like, well, that's only you know that's the only beginning of of, of the hard work. Um, but yeah, people definitely is is the biggest thing. The other thing is everything takes longer and is more expensive than you think. Um, you know, when people give me forecasts um, and they're usually, you know, a massive J curve, mm. um, it, it just doesn't happen in food and dev. Um, you know, it's, and I, I say this to, to people and I, I'm not trying to be rude or sarcastic, but it's not that hard to get into into a retailer, big or small, it's how it's how you get the consumer to take that product off the shelf and mm-hmm. build a brand, um, and be around. You know, twelve, twenty-four months later. Yeah. Um, and there's no secret sauce. You know, you can have all the money in the world and spend it on um, social media and marketing, but that doesn't guarantee that your your product's going to stick. So you need you need hard work. You definitely need a bit of luck. Um, you need, you know, good people around you. That is fantastic. Well, yeah, now a hundred percent agree with everything you said there. It's 
it's been an absolute pleasure, Scott. Like it's like I say, I followed your journey, I followed your brand. I always seem to walk into it because it always seems to be right there, slap bang in my face, um, which is great, and it, it it's a great product. And thank you for just being open, honest, and. I'm very much looking forward to saying hello in person. Um, yeah, by the time we launch this, it'll probably be a couple of days. So um, absolute pleasure. Good luck on the show. I'm sure you'll do a great, um, be a great MC. If not, then I you can just throw something back. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll go from there. But um, it's you. Oh, absolute pleasure. So thank you for your time. I know you're not feeling 100%, but your, your knowledge bombs just then and your insights have been fantastic so i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me ben appreciate it no worries cheers mate